What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the League Podcast. My name is Andy Belford, aka Riot Zwill, and I'm part of the player relations team here at Riot Games. Joining me today is my favoriteest co-host ever. Hi, Dylan. It's a Dylan most dirty, Dylan Buckner. Why am I here again? Huh? No, I'm, I'm sorry. What? No, I'm excited to be here. You're 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 here because you're a gigantic nerd. This is true. This is very true. Board games. Board games. <laughs> oh, that's a little foreshadowing. It's not oh. even foreshadowing. That's just straight up spoiling what we're going to be talking about today. You know, I, I thought they probably got it from the title. They from the, uh, the title thing they clicked on. The, but, the title. Know, maybe that's says, just maybe that's just me. Riot makes a board game. Well, you know what? Before we get into it, let's go ahead and introduce our uh, our two special special guests today. Uh, joining us today, we have. Uh, Somebody with possibly the best summoner's name that I've I've actually heard since I started here at Riot. Uh, it is it's Rick Rick Ernston. Rick, what is your summoner name? Mister Piddlesworth. Okay, so I'm going to digress a little bit. Do you have like a dog or something named that, or this feels like a, a like a small dog's name? It, it does. It does sound like a small dog's name. Uh, but no, the uh, the first summoner icon I picked was that little teddy bear dude, and so I named him Mister Piddlesworth. You mean Tibbers? Tibbers? That's, no, 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 no. That's, that's Canon now. That's, yeah. that's, that's canon. the story. <laughs> it's no <laughs> longer. Have, so Annie now says, "Have you seen my bear, Mister Piddlesworth?" Let's uh, um, let's call okay. it Foundations. Okay, and we'll uh, tell them what's what. Speaking <laughs> of which, all right. also joining us today is is Chris Cantrell. Um, uh, Chris, what is your summoner's name? Cades. Cades. Yep. Cades. That's K yep. K A D E S. Now, now everybody's gonna go home and like. Cades to my friends list. <laughs> oh, some of them may remember, Chris. You've been here for, for quite some time. Yeah. I remember you used to be a little more active before we put you in a, in and, a deep, and dark room somewhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I uh, Yeah. I, you used to do QA, right? I did. I yeah. started I started on the, the gameplay team gotcha. and uh, worked on champions and new champions as they were coming out back when we did them every, every couple weeks and uh, before we slowed our cadence. Cool. Yeah. So welcome back to yeah. Player-facing stuff. But <laughs> now, now we have you locked away in the secret vault of creative development. And, and when I say this, folks, uh, folks who are listening at home, like you should know, the creative development team, who is, uh, is which is the team that that that, right. that that these these fine gentlemen are a part of, is actually often a kind of a remote building on campus. It's it's uh, it's in the back of the campus, yeah. like, uh, you know, yeah. and everybody walks by it and they go, "Ooh, what's back there?" And we're like, "That's where creative development is." <laughs> Got to give the weird dudes their space to think. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Well, that, that's actually what you get. You are you're the the idea people here at Riot Games, stop, right? Stop yeah. flattering him. Yeah, <laughs> no. Well, we're, we're idea people. That's that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's an apt he, description. He's not going to be no, easy to deal not. with after this. <laughs> <laughs> so, didn't, you, didn't you know I'm an idea person? Yeah. Give us give us the TLDR though for the for the the players listening out there. Just you know, what is this C Dev that uh that yeah. mega team that encompasses a lot of other you know stuff? Right. So C Dev stands for Creative Development and. Uh, has a number of different teams on it, um, uh, like the Foundations team that was on here not long oh, ago, okay. and uh, and then you know that's the group that does the documentary work or Riot Records. They really they really try and find other explorations of the League IP that we can share with our players, like board games. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little confused at first. I was yeah. like, what do you have to do with a tech, uh, with a metal album? But okay, right. I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. I didn't work on that. Yeah. yeah. So so. Just to be clear, like you all aren't the working on super top secret like new new game like game two or something like no. that. You all are no, no, you're no. working on kind of like league adjacent ideas. Yes, they they yeah, leave exactly. the the smart and very capable people to do that. We are okay. we are okay. we are the creative development. Group. I'm pretty sure you all are pretty capable. <laughs> so so you guys are here talking today about a, a really cool project and something that I think Dylan and I are both excited about because we are 
both kind of board game aficionados. Yeah. Like I have a, a semi-regular board game night at home, so awesome. I'm excited about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's something that's, I think, part of Riot's culture. We have a very regular board game night every two weeks here mm-hmm. at Riot. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually have like 50 people. I mean, that's insane. That's pretty, crazy. Pretty large 50 group. people. Yeah. Wow. What are some of the, really quickly, what are, what are some of the, the favorite games played at board oh, game night? Man. It, it it varies. Uh, one of the things I love about it is they're always finding new games and sure. bringing those out. Uh, but I guess right now for me, Cry Havoc, I was able to pick up Seafall over at Gen Con. So mm. I think we're excited. Scythe to, was, uh, was yeah. a big one the last game night. Yeah, yeah. Scythe was a lot All of fun. All I know is... How, how, did you, how did you turn out in that game? How did that go for you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so when we played Scythe, we were playing with people that oh, I didn't... So what? really quickly, so, what is Scythe? Scythe is uh, an area control game, and uh, it's a phenomenal game kind of takes place in uh, like the 19, I'm going to get this wrong, but 1920s or 1930s, but in an alternate history where they have like these huge mechs, but like it's a mixture of like mechs and like farmland and, and, and you're just trying to take over areas so that you can kind of control the areas surrounding this place called the factory that makes all the mechs. So it sounds kind of like steampunky, early 20th century tech type of thing. Actually, one of the things I like about it is it's uniquely its own like usually you can spot something like oh that's a steampunk uh, all right oh well, that's the and and site for me at least was a very kind of a, a new a new take on it and uh, and we were playing a game I guess about a month back so not not too long ago and uh, my first time playing Scythe and, and we were playing with people who um, who I hadn't played with before and I was just trying to be a nice guy and and in Scythe you can either be aggressive or you can go you know with an economy kind of strategy and I went with uh, an economy strategy because I didn't want to like my neighbors were people I didn't know and I didn't want to like attack her and 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 then on the very last turn of the game we've we'd had like this really you know diplomatic friendship where I'm, I'm just kind of doing my own my own thing and she just attacks me and crushes me and then wins the game in, in one fell swoop and and I learned a lesson that day. Tragic. <laughs> yeah. their, their sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yes. <laughs> Trust no one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a good lesson to learn. So uh, speaking of, of board games and our love for board games here at Riot, we have made a board game, and we're calling it Mechs versus Minions. Yeah. This is this is extremely exciting. Like, can you tell us a little bit about what? Uh, just give us kind of the the uh, the elevator pitch, the TLDR sure. of what Mechs versus Minions is. So, uh, Mechs versus Minions uh, is a cooperative game. So it's fully co-op for two to four players, and it uses programming movement as kind of its its core mechanic, and uh, it's it's a campaign based game. So you know. The, the levels have modular boards and they're kind of set up differently and and each each pass at it um, and I, I think for people who play a lot of board games um, like a lot of modern board games I'd probably closest describe it with like a, a hybrid between uh, Robo Rally and Descent or oh, Imperial Assault. I love Robo Rally. Yeah, that's a great game. Yeah. Have you ever played it? No. Oh, you I've should been hearing about it. it for a while. Yeah, yeah you this is part of the problem with board games these days. They're coming on so strong yes. that there are one billion of them to play. <laughs> well, and that's interesting. It's it's kind of like you know you you may ask why why board games right now, and mm-hmm. I, I mean we were talking about this earlier, but board games are kind of in a renaissance right now. Like it's an it's a it's a hot commodity. Yeah, yeah. You know, growing up for me, it was games like. Risk and Monopoly, and and, that, and when I first heard about like modern board games, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's nice. But uh, honestly, in the past five ten years, um, the like the design sense behind board games has just grown exponentially. And uh, for me, at least, it's it's something that's really fun for 
me and my kind of core gamer group of friends where we sit around and, and we can play a game in person. And I, th- I think there's something really awesome about playing behind my computer because I can play with my friends and, you know, like Toledo. I, don't, I actually don't know anyone in Toledo, but, you know, I could play <laughs> with people all over the country. Um, so th- there, there's something there, but um, there's also something really nice about sitting around a table with your friends and yeah. either just crushing them or, or uh, like in this game, you would, you know, work on a goal together or something like that. And so. we, were, we were chatting before and you mentioned something interesting about which I, I don't want to say it blew my mind, but it was a surprising <laughs> comparison between uh, how League, when it first started out, it was not envisioned to be uh, in a, the massive, uh, you know, worldwide thing it would it would eventually become. It was specifically targeted at players of the of the original Dota mod and, yeah. and intended to offer you know some some things like matchmaking and yeah. and, and accounts that would make that experience more accessible uh, and complete. Uh, but very specifically targeted that that core group of gamers uh, in a genre that was kind of up and coming at the time, that, yeah. you know, that being MOBAs. And and this is almost a parallel in that way, that that, that this genre has been coming on so strong lately. Uh, and we wanted to make something that would really satisfy, you know, the hardcore people, it seems like. Yeah. That's yeah. my impression looking at this mammoth box. Well, Rick, <laughs> Rick, you're the lead designer on this 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 uh, this beautiful game that we have laid, we have it we have it actually laid out in front of us right now and we have all the minis and all the little pieces. By the <laughs> way, um, I'm going I'm going to be the fanboy here and say that this this is extremely high quality. Like sure. I own a lot of board games, and this setup looks really like yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to, to to playing it. But Rick, you're you're the lead designer on this. Like, what were you trying to accomplish when when setting out to design like a game that kind of embraced? the IP, the intellectual property of League of Legends? Well, um, my trajectory with board games is a little bit different than Chris's, as he mentioned. You know, he he comes from, like, Monopoly and and, and <laughs> games like that, and, and he's been excited to see games turn into, like, this more elaborate, more mature um, hobby. And kind of I came to it from a different direction. Like, the, the games I grew up on were, like, Battletech and a, and a Middle-Earth board game that had, I think, about 500 pieces, right? So it was, like, the really arcane, you know, um, a squad leader and, like, super... This is my kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, games. really, you know, hardcore, hard-to-get-into games. And so while this is very much for the hardcore game player... Uh, to me, I've really seen games become a lot more accessible. They're, you know, higher production value. They're made with um, with a lot more attention to the the quality of the experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's a. I'm glad that you you know you you love the way it looks and and the uh, the unboxing and everything. You know, Chris and I really saw this as an opportunity. Um, to kind of go big because we didn't know if we'd get another chance. So it's like if we're only going to get to make <laughs> we're only one, make game, one. Let's <laughs> let's let's, let's do one. this. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really cool as you talk about like the quality of of board games these days. When you look at things like Small World and like mm-hmm. King of Tokyo and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where yeah, they have kind of I think simplified the experience a little bit itself, but they've upped the quality and like the, uh, the kind of the storytelling of the game in a way uh, to the point where it's it's a great experience now, especially if you're just getting into the hobby, like. I think it's amazing. So, like, this definitely translates that. Uh, and it's I, the, go ahead. It's the storytelling, I think, that really um, was a lot of the the, the impetus here. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a game like Robo Rally, which is very much um, you awesome. know, it's competitive. It's an awesome game. Yeah. It's yeah. competitive. Uh, but it doesn't really tell a story uh, larger than a race, right? Yeah. And it's cool, but it's quick. Then you have Descent, on the other hand, which is very story heavy and it, it's like a you know it's playing a D game uh, on a tabletop 
And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to have sort of that, uh, that quick play that RoboRally uh, brought to the, to the table where, you know, you can set it up, play a game out, uh, but then has the sort of longevity that a game like Descent or Dungeons & Dragons have where you're constantly uh, being faced with new challenges and the lessons you learn from previous scenarios you carry forward and you change things up slightly. Um, maybe you fail. This is one of the things that Chris and I both feel strongly about is that co-op games need to be really uh, pretty tough. Like you need to yeah. feel like you've accomplished something when yeah. you success, yeah. succeed. So um, we've... You know, it's not an easy game, and I think our success rate for most of the scenarios is around fifty percent. You know, on average, uh, so you'll you'll probably lose half of your games easy, um, and some of them very quickly. Uh, but then the goal was to give the player room to uh, to change his tactics, change the loadout, um, change the teamwork. You know, and, and what everyone wants to you know, the way they go about it. And so we really wanted to create something that every time you came back to it and played a different scenario or even played the same scenario again, uh, you you had to bring something new, right? So rather than playing the same game and having, um, you know, have that kind of become rote, we wanted it to be something that kind of grows and develops. So, so basically, in a, in another way that the game kind of, the board game experience kind of parallels the league in that way where there is that real depth like where it's like it's never the same game twice. Like there's mm -hmm. a, a whole lot of different variables. Like so, like walking us through. Like obviously we don't want to get into the the nitty gritty like playthrough details of, mm -hmm. of a board game on a podcast because that <laughs> might actually be a little bit awkward to do. But like so, how like you said you said you know you you can fail, you can lose the game, but you can lose fast. Like how long? should eat what each session like each mission so it's divided up into missions right yep 10 missions 10 yeah, missions man, i'm looking at one of these sweet top secret operation short fuse envelopes this thing is amazing you, oh, guys, yeah. you guys went so all out on just the the like lore and feel yeah, yeah. definitely like, speaking of telling the story <laughs> like experiencing the the whole like you know the the, the storytelling of it yeah like, i'm, I'm looking great. at a at a letter from rumble deemed and headmaster of the uh, of rumble's intense training of programmable labs it's just, it's just it's amazing man it's like on parchment and checklist on the back it, and stuff. it is yeah it's great sorry yeah. you you were saying though how, how, how long for one of these sessions okay so 10 uh 10 scenarios each one it varies on on the group but generally about an hour okay it, it generally um 40 to maybe 80 90 minutes um okay depending on the group. Now, we've had some groups that are like super fast and they just crank through, um, mm. especially after they've played a little bit and they've got their tactics and their builds down. Um, these are like the pro level. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but then we've got other players, you know, other groups are, you know, taking their time and we've had them take two, two, two and a half hours. Sure. But, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be your group. You know, it's, it, it varies on, you know, how quickly things move and how much time you spend. So, so it's around. not, not quite King of Tokyo, which is like a super fast, like, you know, right. fifteen right. minute game, right, right. but it's also not quite Axis and Allies, which is a, <laughs> a weekend right. long, right. so near and dear to my heart. Yeah. You know, on, on that note, it, it was interesting. Uh, my personal experience with the game has been very interesting. I, I, I did a, a bit of play testing for for you guys. Uh, Thank you. Maybe like six months ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Um, and I actually kind of similar to you, uh, Rick, uh, much more of a war gamer. Uh, that's that's once you leave that space, my experience with with board games, you know, rapidly drops off. So so this was a uh, 
a kind of cool, fresh experience with me that got me into, you know, all the possibilities there are. And I definitely experienced that. I showed up and, and I'm, you know, I feel pretty hot shit with video games or with board <laughs> games a lot of the time, but the three other guys in my group were, you guys weren't kidding when, we, when you said we were in the expert group. And, and the best part about that was it showed me how accessible it is in a fun way through the, through the whole, like, uh, card system that offers so much replayability and kind of a choose your own path uh, approach, but how crazy deep it is. We had we had guys in our group number crunching and stuff and and pulling out <laughs> combos that I couldn't even I couldn't even see how they worked by the time they were pulling them off and stuff like that. So there's a super the league comparisons are are frequent. You know everything from being able to choose whether to go more killy uh, to actually playing a support role where you're buffing up your other three guys at the extent of your own capability. Uh, to the, the to the level of replayability and like the depth of, of how good you can get at this game, I feel like like I want to play it again because I know I can do better. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we had a uh, we had league uh, QA and playtest guys mm-hmm. uh, come in and they spent a lot of time with it and they got really deep into it and they got to the point where they were like naming builds and it's like, oh yeah I think this one needs a stomp and rip and they're like all right sure and, you know so they've got their their plans the uh, part of the fun of it though is since you know, as you're playing through, you're not always sure you're going to get exactly what you need to build optimally. Like you can't just say it's like, all right, well, we've got our strategy down. You might you might not get the cards you need. You might get damage in exactly the wrong spot, uh, and you have to adapt. And so that's that's part of what brings uh, the variety to each playthrough, even when sure. you're playing with the same people and you're playing the same scenario. Well, and you can also play as different characters. I, I know that's that is such an immediate thing. I always check into. Uh, nothing's worse than me than uh, for me than like an RTS, for example, where the the different sides are too similar. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I crave that variety. So like that Starcraft Holy Trinity is a great thing for me. Uh, and and I I know I really enjoyed uh, diving into this where at base the characters uh, kind of start the same, but mm-hmm. then there's a, a modifier system through their like. Uh, champion-specific cards, right, mm-hmm. uh, that lend themselves I- to unique play styles as well as kind of a choice about how you want to go about it. And there's a ton of flavor, you know, like Ziggs, he's got bombs. Yeah, Heimerdinger's yeah. got a lot of, like, crafty crafty stuff on his, I remember. Yes. So, so uh, let's, let's actually get into that a little bit. Yeah, like, sure. What, uh, so Stop nerding some, out. Some <laughs> real basic questions, I guess. How many players is the game meant for? Two to four. Two yep. to four players, okay. Uh, we already established, like, you know, about two hours at the longer onset, you know, sometimes shorter, depending upon your skill level with the game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so for a first time group of play group of players, like when they first open up that box, how long do you think it's going to take them to figure just to like at least get started like rolling dice and, and playing in the game? Well, the way we've set it up is each scenario um, has its own kind of dossier to tell you how to set up and what the rules are. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you don't actually have to read the rule book to play. You just have to read the tutorial. That first um, that first dossier tells you how to set everything up, gives you the rules you need, and um, you can probably get that all set up and play uh, and be rolling dice in like 10, 15 minutes without a problem. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, looking at this pro tip sheet, and I, I feel like from what I recall, this would get you going. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, because um, there's, we try to introduce uh, new mechanics and new new twists in the scenarios as they go. So you should be up and running uh, with the tutorial in like 15 minutes. And we've generally found it maybe takes <laughs> a half an hour to play okay. through. So you should actually be done and into the first scenarios in less than an hour. So we're, we're actually going to be doing kind of like our own like tutorial play test later this week. I'm really excited about that <laughs> um, in preparation for a, a live stream that we're going to do, which should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so shouldn't be a whole lot of complicated setup then. It's pretty mm-hmm. much just like open it up, read the read the first mission, and then, and then you're off to the races. Yeah, so. exactly. It is, okay. I, I will say... It is kind of an intimidating box. Like when you open it up, yeah. there's 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 a lot of 
bits and pieces and, right. and uh, you know, the tutorial book is right there on top and it kind of steps you through it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's a fair first reaction is well, like, shoot, whoa. The, the box itself is, is made to look like metal and <laughs> yeah. it's so solid. <laughs> like even the cardboard itself is really dang solid. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, yeah. it gives, it, it's definitely an intimidating thing. Uh, and, and, and you're right. I mean, there's a there's hundred plus, a uh, hundred plus pieces in here, a hundred yep. plus cards, a ton of variety to all the pieces and everything like that. But, and, and I remember that was actually a worry of mine during playtesting. I was like, Hey, there's a lot of like dice and, and trackers going on and everything. But I know then part of the problem is that we were dealing with like, you know, paper chits or yes. like marks on a on a on a whiteboard and stuff. And you, were you doing guys prototyping, have, yeah. Yeah, you guys have put a ton of work into making all of these individual pieces and markers and dice very distinctive, very flavorful in a lot of ways. Like I'm yeah. seeing the gear, you know, the gear icons here, complete with like weathered metal looking appearance and everything. Uh, right. So I'm I, I'm I'm excited, like because that stuff's just depth for me, you know. Yeah. Like there's more. <laughs> There's more to get there it's uh, beyond the flavor. first play test. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually I'm sitting here just like looking like like Dylan said. There's like a hundred different pieces in in this box, and one of them, one that you'll actually if you if you purchase this and you see it, like you'll actually find like many many of the minions in there, and these are your your typical like uh, shield minions that you would see uh, in in game in League of Legends mm-hmm. and. And the detail on them is extraordinarily good. They're very high quality. Like it's a hard plastic, um, and, and like even like the kind of like the 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 pieces that stick out a little bit mm-hmm. that are normally the first things to get broken in any sort of like minifig game. Like it does. They don't feel like they're gonna break off or snap off or anything like that. Like this is like this is pretty high quality. Like I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if we're talking about 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 pricing. Uh, on this sure. just yet, but uh, but like, if I was to buy this like at my local game store, right? Like, I would expect to pay well over a hundred dollars, like maybe even close to like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars or something like this, based on the quality of games that I've bought in the past, right? Yeah. Um, and and based on like the the individual pieces, even the the level of detail and the four characters that you can play. Um, which are Tristana, uh, Ziggs, Heimer, and uh, who's who's the last one? Corky. 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 Yeah. So those four characters, like the four main characters that you can play, they come fully painted, um, mm-hmm. fully detailed, like really beautiful paint paintwork Dude, actually on it. That ain't that ain't nothing. Oh, that's not. <laughs> that's like, oh, you got something to show there's me? A, there's a whole yeah. There's a whole like little sub box here. Oh, that's right. I keep on seeing this box. I never yeah. looked inside of it. It's, what is? It's what? the boss it's... minion, dude. He's this... like, he's like a full freaking dreadnought. This is crazy. Like, yeah, he's huge. Does this minion serve the God Emperor? Is that? What's uh, going on here? <laughs> uh, we're gonna get sued. So uh, I, I, <laughs> please don't sue us. I, I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about the the story behind him, um, mm. because. Uh, a lot of the box, uh, a lot of the game is kind of unlocked as you go. Yeah, similar it's nice to, to like, progressive, right? Yeah, yeah. The, like a legacy mechanic. The boss type. actually is sealed. That box is sealed when uh, when it gets oh. up and it's when you open up the box. Yeah. It says don't. Yes. Except there's like a plastic bubble in it through which you can see the axe. It's not enticing <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't. Well, d- so that's actually really interesting that we have this this kind of like. I guess bonus character uh-huh. in in this box that is sealed. Like you yeah. literally have to break the seal. It's got the little caution tape on it and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the the goal is is that you actually, gosh, that axe is like just kind of like sitting there enticing you, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You, what's the goal? You have to actually unlock this guy. Yeah, he shows up actually a couple of missions in. Okay, um, so there are you know in, all of the the missions themselves are sealed in envelopes so you can't just look through and see what's going to happen well, you can um, it's your game but well, sure, we, sure. We don't but i mean you. but you shouldn't yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah we shouldn't. you know the 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 guided experience yes, is right. you know one at a time see 
uh, see what happens. Every time you beat a mission, you get new options for each of the mechs. Uh, sometimes there are new uh, uh, new damage cards, things that, was, that make things tougher. Yeah, that, I remember okay. the, the the additional mech uh, capability unlocks was really fun because it's not like you it's not like a just straight power up experience. You're still mm -hmm. limited. Uh, you have to choose between your mm -hmm. options whenever you pick a mech. Um, but it is so fun to unlock those prior to a new mission which in some cases like specifically is like a rate a great setup for that new capability you've unlocked uh, mm -hmm. it's a really cool feeling again you know just going back to that leap parallel like you get the level up feeling basically yeah. right yeah oh i don't know like i'm i'm looking at this and i'm i'm seriously getting antsy to play the game so <laughs> let's let's talk though. okay so so like clearly there's a lot of love that went into this um mm. it's it's kind of an interesting thing so just just stepping way back from okay. what i know about how this came about it seems like we pretty much locked you in a closet for a while, Chris, and yeah. said, hey, go mess around with board games. Yeah. That's the like the dawn of it, if I'm correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. to, to a degree, uh, we, we brought we brought on a really, really talented designer um, to Riot about three years ago um, named Stone the Brandy. And uh, he he has made board games for his family um, for like 20 years. Like all growing up, he would make like a new board game every every Christmas or, or whatnot, and uh, and he's never published any of them. And he's an extremely accomplished designer. Um, and and we played one of them, and it just it just really clicked with us. Um, we liked where it was headed. We liked the. Um, I, I think a core part for me um, for for games is am I making interesting decisions like frequently? Like all right, you know, is this a fun puzzle for me to solve, or is it kind of solving itself? And then I'm just kind of playing what I should be doing. Uh, but it had a lot of choices. It had a lot of um, a lot of interesting mechanics. And uh, we took that kernel and um, and we tried to leverage what we saw its strengths were, and we kind of added a lot of stuff on top of it. And I don't know. I I probably made it much worse. And then and then uh, and then you know. A, it was just kind of uh, alone working on it for for a bit, and uh, we finally got an artist on, um, Danny Beck, who did all the art for the game, and it, it was just going going really well. And I, I think we kind of felt like we landed on where the game was. Sure. Um, so so this was very much just kind of like a a, a a loving side project for for a couple, not even a side project. This was your your job, obviously, right. but for a couple dudes. Uh, Often, often, you know, the shadowy CDEV building. <laughs> right, uh, and so it, this was really churning for a while. So it it sounds like the it was the like when it's ready, it's ready. It's not like all right, we need to make a board game. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, I imagine that it probably wasn't even certain that it would ever even go anywhere or ship. Well, that's or definitely true. Yeah. That's that's definitely true. Okay. Cool. Um, well, that seems like a fun fun environment actually, because it's just let's keep making this thing better. It it was, uh, and we we kind of got to make uh, ultimately the game that I, I think we were we were proud of and. Mm -hmm. I think we're hoping other people like it, but um, we'll, we'll find out. So what about the logistics? What mm -hmm. are we... I, I, I feel like this is not the type of thing that's going to show up in Target. No, okay. no. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, in order to kind of... Because we did pour a lot of cost into really high-quality components. Um, mm -hmm. And in order to keep the cost down, so it's not like $200. Uh, I, I think typically you... Um, I, th these might be numbers that don't interest a lot of people, but usually in the in the board game industry, you're looking at like a five to seven x markup from your manufacturing costs once you factor in like sorry five to seven. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and retail markup is no joke. Yeah, and I, I I can break that down a bit too. Like if um let's say you made a ten dollar game and you're like oh I, I need to get this you know out there, you would have to hire a, a, a distributor, another sure. company to kind of uh, take your 
your $10 game and, and maybe you would sell it to that distributor so that, you know, you made back the cost of manufacturing it. You, you know, sold it to them for like 16 bucks or something like that. Right. And they would take that $16 game and this is just back of the napkin, but they would, they'd have to mark it up. So they kept their cut and, and, you know, then they would sell that to hobby stores all, all over the country um, for like, you know, $32, $33 or something like that. And then the hobby stores would take that and mark it up to like, you know, 60 bucks or or something like that. So it it definitely jumps up pretty quickly. Um, And one of the, the unique opportunities at Riot is we have um, a merch store that reaches, you know, kind of a, a a lot of our players, global player base and and, uh, whatnot. And we sat down and we were like, well, um, you know, even if this is really successful, it's not, it's not like a, like money was not really a core motivator. Like, oh, we got to get into the board game market so we can increase our, our our bottom line or anything like that. It was really just a labor of love and, and something we wanted yeah. to okay. to kind of take take pride in in that way. So we poured a lot of that effort into um, the quality of the components. And if we sell it just through our merch store, we're able to get this game out for for seventy five dollars. Seventy five dollars. Okay. okay. All right. That's, How many did we make? Uh, the initial run in English is thirty thousand units. Okay. Cool. So, so this totally seems like a yeah, kind of like you said. It's just this isn't a this isn't a an economic move or anything like no. that. It's just it's just let's make this thing. Let's make yeah. enough that if people want it, they can do it. And we can yeah. see what the player reaction is. I can immediately see that if it's something that's enjoyed, we we would have a lot of possibility for additional missions or right. or even like even character mechs or stuff like that. And uh, okay, that's really cool. Yeah, so, so, so and that that really that. That speaks to the kind of the theme behind creative development too. Like yeah. when we do an album, we're not looking to like, oh, we're gonna get in all these album sales, and you know that'll buoy us. Or... We're not trying to become the next Fantasy Flight. No, like, we're not no. trying to replace <laughs> no, not uh, replace any of like the big board game companies out there. No, um, like that, good that's... man, I don't need more of that juju in my life. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, no, they're awesome a... games. No, I know exactly. That's, that's what yeah. I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just yeah. you, would, you would be spending your entire paycheck on on the product that that, that we make. Right? Uh. It's pretty much what we. <laughs> down to but it, it is i mean it is true it's i think it's one of the luxuries um that we have here at riot is that we're able to pursue really cool things like this like vid- music videos like mm-hmm. uh things like you know uh little kind of one-off like mobile games that we did like mm-hmm. let's crank pro roundup mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and things like this board game which is like you said very obviously something that we want the, the reason that we're doing it our motivation is something that's going to bring joy to players right? yeah and and it and we have that wherewithal to to make things that aren't going to necessarily appeal to every player. In fact, yeah. maybe not even most of them. Yeah. Kind of like we even do with skins. You know, we make everything yeah. from super, you know, badass epic ones all the way over to completely ridiculous ones. Yeah. Uh, it's that it's that same thing here. This isn't going to be for everybody, but the people Dylan, it is for. What is ridiculous about Baker Pantheon? Uh, I'm, uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's just uh, a slice of life, man. That's it's who just he a is. slice of life. Awesome. That's oh, who Pantheon is. Right. Wait, wait. Are we all are we all dad joke range in oh, here? God, is, yeah. that, is that how? Okay, oh, yeah. right, cool. Yes, yes. So actually, don't don't worry, Dylan. If you will you will grow into dad jokes. <laughs> It'll happen. It will happen. So, we uh, we showed the game actually to to some folks in the board game industry uh-huh. recently, and uh, you know it was nice to to kind of get some. Some feedback I was from nervous. people outside. I was uh, so nervous. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. It was crazy. Yeah. And one of the one of the nicest things that uh, anybody said when they when they saw this was, uh, we had one uh, one guy who looked at it and he looked through the components and he said, "This is this is a gift. This is a gift to to 
you know, game players, to board game players. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. That's flattering. That's, it's almost humbling to hear. Did they did they have, like, obviously, we, we can't, like, talk about who you showed it to or anything like that, but right. was there any, like, really good feedback about the gameplay itself, like, both critical and, and uh, positive? Well, we actually, we brought folks in uh, early on, well, actually, just before I, I actually joined <laughs> the team, um, these two things are related. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. yeah, so we, we thought we had the game finished um, about a year and a half ago, I think. We were like, all right, let's move just, it to manufacturing. Just game, oh, okay, just yeah. the gameplay. Gameplay is yeah. done. We're, we're good. We got the art. We got the cards. This is this is our game. And um, and there were two people who, like, I, I love, I have, like, I think I have, like, 200 board games just in my car, and I probably own you know, close to 1,200. Like, I, I'm, I'm a huge... You, I think you have a problem, man. Yeah, yeah, no, I, my wife does too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the exactly. problem is I need a bigger car. The problem That's... is you need a bigger gotcha. a bigger room gotcha. to store all the board games in. Right? Uh, and, and you know, two of the people that I, I really admire um, are, are uh, Quentin Smith from uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, just the Shut Up and Sit Down crew, and then uh, Dice Tower, uh, mm-hmm. like Tom Vassell and stuff like that. They, they do video reviews and stuff like that. So as I'm looking for new games, I often kind of turn to to both of them and kind of get their feedback. I'm like, oh, I guess I will buy that game. Or, or oh, I, I won't buy that game. And because I, I just lean on them so heavily for that decision-making process, we reached out to to both of them about a year and a half ago to to make sure that we were making a game that uh, we'd be proud of, that that like the industry wouldn't look at and be like, ah, oh, this is embarrassing. And then we'd be like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, so so we so we brought out um, we brought out Tom. Tom came first, and uh, we showed him the game, and uh, and I at the time at least I, I think he really he really enjoyed it, and he gave us some some really good kind of feedback on like you know uh, like the detail like just very clever uh, things that we could do to kind of streamline the experience and just just made the game better. And uh, and he was like, yeah, I actually have a lot of confidence in this. I think you guys should ship it and and great work. And we were like, yeah, that's that's the answer I, I was hoping for. And and, <laughs> and it was just you know it's kind of fanboying out to me to meet Tom and and, uh, and then we already had kind of uh, Quentin kind of scheduled to fly out. And at that point, I was like, ah, but we're good, you know, we're we're, we're set. And and he came out and he and he played it, and uh, he's he's talks in like this. Uh, you know, he's got the British accent, and he's like, you know, Chris, I'm not even gonna do the accent, but he's like, you know, Chris, I. Uh, Our British listeners, thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no English listeners. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, um, I, I like it, um, and I, I'd be happy. Like, I'll, I'll, I'm here for, you know, you flew me out to L.A. I'll be here for the next, you know, day or two, so I'll, I'll do whatever you want. But to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure I'd play it again. And I was like, brutal. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's not the answer I, I was hoping for. And I was like, well, why? And he's like, well, you know, uh, there's just not, like, it was fun, but there's not really a desire to kind of keep playing. And I was like, well, is there anything you can think of to, and he's like, yeah, honestly, I I would go and I would switch. At the time, it was just like one massive board. That's how kind of Stone had designed it. And uh, and he was like, I would I would turn it into kind of a campaign. I would make modular boards and kind of piece them together. And you can figure out different ways and kind of come up with different objectives and stuff like that. And the more he kind of kept talking about it, the the group that was playtesting with them was like, "Yeah, this is this is you're right." 
and he was. Um, yeah, you guys took that advice to heart. This game is modular as hell. Yes, but, uh, it yeah. makes the completionist in me sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's, there's a lot to it, and I, I remember thinking in the room, I was like, wow, that's instead of designing one game, I'm, I'm gonna design, you know, ten. That's, that's a lot more work, considering I thought it was almost done. And um, we had another, we had an interview kind of scheduled while Quentin was in town, you know, and I, I got pulled away from it. So I was kind of frustrated because I was like, ah, you know, I, this, couldn't we have scheduled this on a different day? I'm so glad we didn't because uh, I went and met with Rick. And I remember th- telling him, I, I was like, you know, if you would come two days ago, I would have said, sorry, bud, we don't really need this. Um, we're good. But uh, <laughs> I had just come back from a meeting with Quentin and he was like, yeah. You know, I would suggest these design changes, and this is the ex- this is the direction I'd probably say you should take it. And so I was like, "Well, um, Rick, what's your experience with board games?" And he's like, "Actually, I, I have a <laughs> lot of experience with board games." And we brought Rick in, and he just had so many great contributions, like the damage deck and and, and designing out all the all the missions and kind of variations on how you play it. Um, yeah, Chris downplays this, but that was like one of the worst interviews I've ever had because <laughs> I w- he was in such a bad mood because he'd just gotten this like yeah. critique from Quinn's yeah. and, uh, yeah. and I was pretty sure that he hated me. I walked out of there like, oh yeah, well, I'm never talking to Riot again. Yeah. 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 But it, so <clears throat> that's interesting though. It's like, you know, you came in with, uh, you know, originally, like you said, you were like, oh, the game is done. We're ready. Yeah. Ship it. You know, yeah. it's good to go. But like, for for you coming in like this had to be interesting where the team had this preconceived notion that it was it was it was a done deal but suddenly their entire perspective has been changed by a, a, an industry veteran yeah. giving them giving you all some some very hard feedback some some, but some tough, helpful but useful feedback helpful right? feedback yeah, yeah, yeah some some very tough but helpful feedback right mm-hmm. so like how much to you like how much has the game fundamentally changed since <laughs> since you came on board Rick? it's um yeah, it's a little bit. Chris has given me. Yeah, it's just it's a little bit different. Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty different. The the core changes that that Chris was describing the switch to a modular board, a scenario based. Um, they had the the beginnings there. There was no there were no scenarios, uh, mm-hmm. but we had a modular board, and so we're like, what can we do with this? And so from there, we had to build in um, all of that progression system as well. So not only did we have to design. Uh, ten scenarios, ten games, as as Chris puts it, uh, but we had to we had to give you something new in each one, and we had to create some way where the players' uh, abilities would grow, so that all of those schematics that uh, uh, that allow you to customize and and give each of the, the the mechs their own flavor, that was all that all had to be added on top of this. Um, and you know, when I came on, we didn't really know what any of that was going to look like. Uh, Chris didn't know what any of that was going to look like, so we weren't really sure like how much work was ahead. And so it started off; it was like a very short time, and it's like spend a little bit of time here, and, and you know, it was, at first it was just a couple days at a time, <laughs> and at the end, you know, so I basically had a couple of days to to make some improvements and and buy uh, buy me buy myself some more time. So then at the end of the two days, Chris would be like, "All right." I guess I won't kill you this time. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how big, how big did the team the end up? Uh, oh. thank you. By the way, thank you for the, the Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, sleep well. Oh, I miss that. Kill you in the morning. Oh. <laughs> it's my favorite yeah. movie. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, no, no, no worries. Uh, the team, I, I think, well, and, and... A lot of people have touched it. Yeah. But, sure. I mean, but like core size at any time? I think the core size probably 
yeah, five or six at the oh, most. Oh, okay, gotcha. But then, but then, like to be Super fair, we demand. would bring in people like you. Like sure, we brought yeah. in, you know, probably a couple hundred playtesters, you wow. know, because we Holy have crap. so many gamers at Riot. Yeah. And playtesting is what you need more than anything else to make sure a game is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it might be fun for Rick and I, and we're like, yeah, we made it, so yeah, this game oh, is great. Man. And then yeah. show it to other people, and they're like, I don't know what to do, or like. When we first put <laughs> this, this in front of fun. other people and weren't actually like guiding Teaching. them through yeah. the process and just letting them read the rulebook and figure it out. Those were those were stressful days. Those were learning um, opportunities. Sure. Is what those that were. was painful. Yeah. I wanted to run into the room and it's like, no, 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 not like that. Yeah. So you all had like, a, and that, that's actually really valid, true, because it's like you know you don't you don't want to like correct somebody who's testing your uh, testing correct. your game, yeah. like because you that's want no them, good. You want them to you want to see how they naturally are inclined to using it. And that helps you know if your design is actually intuitive or not. Like right, that's, right. A, that's an important an important distinction to make. So like right. if somebody's doing it the wrong way, well, they aren't doing it the wrong way. You presented them to them in a way that is not clear. That's right. Well, and in correct. some cases, yeah. it's interesting because you'll see that'll show you what's intuitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you change the rules so that it's like, OK, well, that's what people expect to do. That's very true. That's Probably that's what, what we should the, be that's doing. That's what the new rule yeah. is. I think yeah. I think you I think I remember an instance of that where one of the cards you know, our group decided that we were like, this This doesn't seem like it should work that way. And then mm. the next play test, we came back, you're like, all right, we've changed it, guys. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, works that way. Well, you, have yeah. to, right. you have to take that feedback yeah. if you want to yeah. if you want to do something great. So that's going to be cool, though, with that size of group that, I mean, you, you guys have, you can see your fingerprints all over the thing that you've created in the end. I know working, mm. uh, you know, mostly on league stuff, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, why am I, what do I even do here? <laughs> Just because it's so big and there's so many pour, people pouring all of their effort into it and everything. So it's going to be really cool having such a small group here. It, so I guess one uh, one kind of like closing question for both of you, like mm-hmm. how how difficult was it? Um, and I'd love to hear both your takes on this. How difficult was it was it to kind of translate something like League of Legends, like this game that's played by millions of people worldwide? That is, I think for for core gamers at least, to something that's a very familiar feeling and a familiar sight, like an familiar experience. How difficult, or what were the challenges that you faced in translating that into a board game experience? And, and to add on that. Uh, not to make the question too big, I'm curious specifically how we end up with mechs and, mechs versus minions. You know, sure. you tell me, oh, we have a league board game. I I might think of a couple things, yeah. uh, and I'm curious how it got to that and kind of the 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 the, the tone that this game has. Well, I, I think one of the important things was, you know, and this was this decision was made before I joined, but um, we didn't want to make League of Legends the board game because we have gotcha. League of Legends. Yeah, and we already a, have League for that. You know, that's. What we what we really want to do, and this is generally something we want to do in CDEV in general, is, is we want to show different aspects of the world and different ways to interact with the characters and Runeterra. And so we wanted to capture some of the things that people love about playing League, the teamwork, uh, the growth, uh, really hardcore um, difficulty. Uh, but the, the yordles. The, the yordles. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, that's that's um, that's kind of a you know some people yeah, um, yeah, yeah. react well to that. Your right? mileage may vary. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know the Yordles really fit well for this uh, thematically, also because yeah. the game is you know it's not like BattleTech sort of mecha, right? It's not like super serious, giant, destructive things. These are these are kind of ridiculous. When you first start a game, you know a lot of times you might be spinning around in a corner shooting off uh, you know flamethrowers mm-hmm. at nothing. Uh, it feels ridiculous. You know if we're trying to portray this as you know really nasty mechs that doesn't work but for a yordle mech that totally works yeah um and so the challenge was taking uh taking some of the things that that players love about league and and the world and 
reinventing it in a in a very different format that still felt like it has you know it, it still lives in the same universe okay and chris same question for you uh, i mean i i could speak to like I, I was in the room when we made the call with the yordles um it so we had a programming game that came to us from from stone and uh and one of the things that happens during the game is as you get damaged from uh, at the time i think it was zombies but now like minions as, as you get damaged you start going a little haywire and you'll like run off in the wrong direction. You'll do other gotcha. stuff. Yeah. So when we were thinking like, okay, programming game, one of the first things we jumped to was like Blitzcrank or Oriana and uh, just because they're, they're robotic characters. Um, but we quickly found that, uh, that it felt really frustrating if I'm Blitzcrank and I'm running into a wall that, that was, that, that was like the highest level of like, I want to be doing, gotcha. and it didn't really kind of embody the whimsical nature of the game yeah. in, a, in a way that, um, so then we landed on on Rumble, and like Rumble kind of is like a, a you know scrapyard titan. He's he's like kind of make and do, and that really fit the theme of the game well. But then we were like, well, if we have Rumble in the game, and then we have like these other Yordles, why would anyone, you know, play a, a different Yordle if you could be Rumble? Okay. And so we we decided that Rumble was going to open up a school for Max, and then he invites out. Um, you know, Corky, Tristana, Heimerdinger, and Ziggs. That and, makes a ton of sense. And, and now when you're you're playing and you're kind of drafting new cards, Rumble is like the narrative to kind of push you from mission to mission. And, sure. and like that story arc, and he kind of guides there and the voice of like teaching you the game and stuff. Um, but then as you're running into a wall, it feels more whimsical and absurd. <laughs> yeah. Um, or as you're You're like, in this janky looking mech. I mean, right. they, look, they look awesome <laughs> and, and cool, but it's not surprising that they would go haywire. Yes. I... I, yeah. I didn't realize the degree to which uh, the story you guys had built around this was making me feel okay with that. Because because you do end up just jamming into a wall sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you've got like four uh, four malfunctions on you from getting beat up yeah. and all that type yeah. of stuff. There's so much fun stuff though. I, I I think my favorite thing that has come out of this, and and this is maybe maybe just a happy uh, uh, you know thing that the that mechs versus minions kind of an inherently silly thing allows is. Is that you guys have such fun with the cards? There's obviously the very straightforward tactical ones, but a lot of the malfunction stuff just gets ridiculous. Tell, <laughs> tell me, tell me, you still have my favorite card? The uh, yes, it's uh, wait, oh, radio wait, silence. Oh, okay, I've told is you this it? story then. Yes, yes exactly. Yes, yeah. Where you can only say one word. Yeah, but it it only unlocks. So so we unlock stuff. Uh, spoiler gates. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. This this is definitely fingers in your ears. Uh, but it unlocks uh, when you unlock hard mode at the end of gotcha. beating the mission. So. Yeah. That's that's one of my favorite cards. Sliding too. around on oil and stuff like that. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of ridiculous fun to be oh, had. No. Don't give it all away, man. Sorry, like, sorry. I, I'm really looking <laughs> sorry, forward to sorry, sorry, this. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, on that note, uh, we're we're getting up against time. I know you all have another podcast to record with some folks. We don't want to spoil that either. But, right. Um, but. Thank you so much, uh, Rick and Chris, for stopping Absolutely. by. We Our really pleasure. appreciate this. If you're interested in uh, in picking up Mechs vs. Minions, you can get on the URL. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. So it's going to be uh, on the Riot Merch store, um, <laughs> and you can just go to merch.riotgames.com. There can... should also be some type of – we're recording this ahead of time, obviously. There should be some type of like little mini site yep. up or yeah, something. Yeah, there'll, the there'll be like a mini site. Yeah, it's so, Mechs so go check minions. that out if you need more info. Yeah, okay. it's mechsvsminions.com. You have so, the URL already? Wow. Already We're on, on top, top of it. Stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you kind of need to like secure well, the, machine. the URL. Yeah, I guess that's a good before, point. Yeah, I work know. in publishing. You'd think I'd know that. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> that explains a lot, Dylan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what it explains. I'm just saying things. <laughs> now I sound like Jim Gaffigan. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> so anyways. Play me off, Jim. <laughs> Play me off. Wow. Well, thank you so much for, for coming Thanks out. Thanks for and, having and, us. And, yeah. it's, it's our pleasure. Look forward to playing this game. Uh, MexVersusBinus.com. Be sure to check out uh, the live stream that we're going to be doing with a live demo of this, hopefully. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Mm-hmm. It's in the, in the works right now. Um, if you're listening to the podcast at home, thank you so much to all of you listening at home. We really appreciate all of your time and uh, your passion and your excitement around things like this. Um, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes. That helps out immensely. We would love it if you guys gave us a review, good or bad. All good either way, but just give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Also, we're on Stitcher as well, and of course, you can always follow our SoundCloud page. Um, so, uh, Dylan, do you want to do you want to say anything? This, this is my box, right? I can take this box. No, <laughs> no, no. You don't have to fight me for it. <laughs> so, and until next time, everybody. <laughs> thanks so much. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.